0: Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome to More Than a Muse podcast a podcast all about women and the arts
1: hosted by Stani and Sadie.
2: Join us as we explore what it's like being a female artist, examine modern day problems, and educate ourselves and you on important and forgotten
1: female artists of the past
2: hello everyone and welcome back to more than a muse i'm stonie
1: i'm sadie and today our episode is it's just a treat a fun thing about having this podcast is the opportunity that we have to talk to other women who have similar missions to what we're doing which is just telling the stories of women artists and today's interview author that we're highlighting is she's doing exactly that mm-hmm. and so I'm very excited about it same it's
2: such like an incredible thing to find people who are writing books like this that are highlighting people from the past and some mm-hmm. the present that talk about like essentially what we talk about on this podcast like Coming up as a woman in the arts and feminism and Mm -hmm. like trying to be creative with obstacles and inspiration from older artists. And that's exactly what this is. So we love finding good books and this is one of them.
1: It really is. And today we have the pleasure to talk to Catherine Yeski-Taylor, who is the author of the book, She's a Badass Woman in Rock Shaping Feminism. This episode comes out January 15th, and it comes out January 16th. So her book, if you want... Yeah. Sorry. Her book. <laughs> yes. Sorry. Thank you. Her book comes out on the 16th. So as soon as you're done listening to this episode go pre-order it for tomorrow or just know that tomorrow you have the pleasure of purchasing it and it comes highly recommended from me at least yes no
2: <laughs> I completely agree and for all our international listeners she said it will be out a month later February. yeah mm-hmm. so hold in there you can pre-order internationally or you can wait but it will be out in a month if she just got the coolest group of people do you want to read her bio and then we can talk about who she covers
1: katherine Yeski taylor she started her career as a rock critic in atlanta in the 1990s so she started out in atlanta in the 1990s as a music journalist started out by interviewing people like the indigo girls rem black crows while still a teenager, Mm -hmm. which in the introduction of her book, she talks a little bit about her experiences that it was really cool. I think set a really great, it was a great opening to the book was talking about her own experiences as a woman in rock, really. Definitely. Um, And yeah, so she's just worked as a music journalist. She's conducted several hundred interviews and contributes regularly to Billboard, Bloodspin and American Songwriter, among many others. So just a prolific music journalist that had the pleasure of and this is her very first book yes how exciting yeah and she got to
2: personally interview 20 women for the 20 different chapters Mm -hmm. which I think just adds like such an element to it like we've read books before where they're just talking about a lot of people obviously we talk about a lot of people that are have passed on. So mm-hmm. we can't interview them. But it was cool that she was able to get like these firsthand accounts and like, ask them questions and dive into them. And so the 20 people that she covers are Suzy Quattro, Ann Wilson from Heart, Xine Cervenka from X, Gina Shock from The Go-Go's, Lydia Lunch, Suzanne Vega. Sherry Curie from The Runaways, Joan Osborne, Danita Sparks from L7, Amy Ray from The Indigo Girls, Tanya Donnelly from Throwing Muses, The Breeders, and Belly, Paula Cole, Toby Vale from Bikini Kill, which shout out to our. We have an episode on Riot Girls. Yes, on our Riot Girl episode. Definitely check that out. And then Laura Veers, Catherine Popper, Amanda Palmer, Bonnie Bloomgarden from Death Valley Girls, Orianti, Fifi Dobson, and Sadie Sanchez from LA Witch. So quite a diverse group of people and yet still in... Women in Rock. Yeah, Yeah. which we love.
1: Oh, also there was a afterword that was written by Susan Rogers, who was the longtime in-house recording engineer for Prince. And yeah, I think that was a really perfect way to end the book as well. So you hear just from so many different women, you get to hear some of their incredible stories. Yeah. So So we get to
2: talk to her in this. We'll talk about some of the shocking stories, moments of the books, people that really inspired us, the process of writing it, as well as just general struggles of being a woman in the mm-hmm.
1: arts and <laughs> just the general struggles yes <laughs> and how that Absolutely. continues
2: to be a thing so definitely so yeah mm-hmm. check out her book and
1: enjoy this episode learn more about women in rock yeah obviously i, I want to talk a lot about she's a badass mm-hmm. because it is truly badass it was great <laughs> Thank um you so yeah you're welcome but i guess to start it out if you wouldn't mind like introducing yourself and maybe what led you to being interested in writing something i know you are A music journalist. I know you're interviewing people, anyways, as part of your, like, what you do, but I guess what led then to the creation of this book?
3: I mean, I started off writing for my high school newspaper in Atlanta. Uh (laughs) And they wanted me to cover really boring things like student government meetings, and I said, no way. (laughs) <laughs> and I started interviewing local musicians in Atlanta instead. And that just led me to go to journalism school at the University of Georgia, mm-hmm. which the music scene there is world famous. And so it just happened to be that I could go to a place that had a good journalism school, had a good music scene. So it seemed like a natural fit to be a music journalist. And and I just... Took it from there, I contribute to all different kinds of places, Billboard, Spin, American Songwriter, Mm -hmm. lots of different regional places. I've contributed to a couple of books before this, but this is my first book of my own. And the way it came about was I got a Facebook messenger message from a literary agent one day. And you get those kind of messages sometimes. You think it might be a scam. I don't know about you, but once in a while, I get like weird messages that way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <definitely>. <laughs> 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 or there'll be like messages that's like, if you pay us thousands of dollars, mm-hmm. you have a record deal. And it's, like, I don't think it works that way. <laughs> yeah, right. So I got this message from this guy saying, "I've been reading your articles. I think you're a really good writer. Have you ever thought about writing a book?" And so I did the standard Google search, of "Who is this guy?" and found him on Publishers Weekly and saw that he was, in fact, like a real literary agent and actually had represented friends of friends. And so I reached out to them and said, what do you think about working with him? And they said, he's good. I wrote him back and, and he said, if you can think of a good topic for an actual book. And then he helped me brainstorm. And then I had written an article about Danita Sparks of L7, where she was mm-hmm. talking a lot about some problems she had with record company executives wanting to change the band's sound. And she was saying, why would you want to sign us? You must have liked our sound enough to want to sign us. Why do you then want to change what we do? Yeah. And would they ask a man to do that? She wasn't sure. So anyway, the agent said, I wonder if you could do a whole book about women in rock and feminism. And as soon as he said that, I thought, oh, I think I actually could fill a whole book with stories like that, because (laughs) over the years, people have told me things. And of course, I've had my own experiences that I talk about in the introduction to this book, just being a female in the music business. And so I wrote up a proposal and he shopped it around and we got this deal with Backbeat and here we are. (laughs) Here we are. What was the
1: selection process with the women? Because obviously there were so many women that you could have pulled from. Was there certain things that you were like trying to pull from or like certain reasons why you chose certain women over the other when obviously this is only just touching the surface of women in rocks?
3: Some people I approached simply because I had interviewed them before. And I knew they'd be good, such as Susie Quattro, mm-hmm. is the very first female one. rock star by many measures. And mm-hmm. I've interviewed her a couple of times, and I knew she'd be great and important to include in this. And same thing with Ann Wilson and Gina Schock and Suzanne Vega and Joan Osborne. There's certain people I've interviewed before, and we got mm-hmm. along. And I think the, their articles came out well, so I could forward it to their teams and say, hey, remember me? I wrote this article. I think it came out pretty well. If you agree, then would you be willing to talk about feminism and your experience as a woman in depth for this book? And most people I asked then came back and said, yeah, the ones who said no, they were really busy because I had the misfortune of getting this book deal just as things were opening back up after it. The pandemic Mm. and so a lot of people said i would love to do this but i'm about to go on the road for three months and try to make up for all this lost income and i got this book written faster than i expected because i had to do interviews really quickly because of that too people said i can do this i want to do this but you have to do the interview with me like next week and you're like got it (laughs) Ready. because then i and so i ended up having to do about three weeks there where i did i like 10 interviews, I was losing my mind. Oh, um, so much. Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot. It was a yeah. lot. And yeah. it helped that those early ones are the ones who I'd interviewed before. The okay. research process wasn't too bad because I was already familiar with their work. But still, that's a long, <laughs> crazy three, three weeks, I'm
1: sure. It yeah.
3: was. And so then what I did is I just did all the interviews and then I saved the actual writing for over the summer. And then I picked up again with the interviews with people I hadn't interviewed before for the fall
1: mm-hmm. of
3: I guess that was two years ago now. Book publishing takes a long time, but (laughs) yeah. So yeah, once those people signed on, then other people said they would do it. And then that's how I spaced that out. And I I mean, I didn't really have a wish list in mind specifically where I'll be heartbroken if if I don't get these particular people. I think the one thing I would have liked to have gotten was more women of color. Mm -hmm. And it's not for lack of trying. I do have two women in this book who are, and I would have liked a couple more. And I tried. I tried to get Tracy Chapman. I tried to get Grace Jones. I tried to get Michelle DeGicello. The first two, their representatives didn't even respond at all. Mm-hmm, yeah, Michelle DeGicello is one of those people who said, I would like to do this, but I'm just too busy. That's the one thing I would have liked to have done a little differently, but it just didn't shake out that way. And there really wasn't much I could do about it. And in a mm-hmm. way, I thought it speaks about women in rock specifically that I couldn't have an easier time filling those slots because after a certain point pretty quickly, I ran out of people I could ask. No, There's that's a really good point. Not enough people I thought had a long enough career that they could fill a chapter. That's why I ended with, you might've noticed that I did by age in, throughout okay, the book. yeah I had a couple of reasons for that, but one of the reasons that I stopped with women in their young thirties was because I thought women in their twenties, I wasn't sure that they would have enough career experience or life experience to be able to fill mm-hmm. an entire Four thousand word chapter—that's a lot.
2: And for a lot of them, like that's still pretty early on in their career, usually. Yeah. Like the twenties.
3: So that's why I did that, and I also did by age because I wanted to show throughout the book how things have changed or not. Mm-hmm. Because some of the first women in the book, Susie Quatcher, Ann Wilson, Exine Cervenka, mm-hmm. X—they're all in their mid seventies down through the upper 60s and then the youngest are in their early 30s. So that's a pretty broad span and some things have really changed and some things have really not.
1: But I wanted to be able to show that. No, I definitely picked up on that. And yeah, I thought it was so cool that you were like, we were ending the book with people that could maybe that I was like, oh, this wasn't happening even this long ago. Mm -hmm. And so on one hand, it was like, you can see that things have changed and gotten better, but then on the other, you can like still see that those women are still feeling, not maybe jaded isn't the right word, but they're still feeling those things similar. That it, It's yeah. like, in one way, it's really encouraging, but the other way, it's oh dang, well... It's exasperating, it's I think, for a
3: lot of people mm-hmm. that... The one thing that a lot of people said, and I only chose a couple of people to actually include it because I didn't want the same thing in every chapter, but yeah, the one thing that definitely continues is when they go to venues and the people who work at the venues treating them like they're morons. Yeah. You know, can I plug in your amp for you, little lady? Do you know how your equipment works? And yes, I know how my equipment works. I know how to do my job. Yeah. That continues. So that's something that hasn't changed. And I don't really know how we change that because there are a couple of stories in the book that I did include where people said, then we played this really great show. And then those same guys were buying us drinks afterwards and telling us how great we did. And they're like, yeah, why are you surprised? I got this Mm. gig. Yeah. Somebody thought (laughs) I could could do it. (laughs) Yeah. There's a reason why I'm
1: on this stage here in the first place. Like, yeah, let's think about that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
3: And not to give away too much, but one of the most infuriating incidents in the book for me, when I heard about it, made my blood boil was Shade Mm -hmm. Sanchez of LA Witch the final chapter in the book where she talks about having a gig in Las Vegas. And during the show, she wanted her volume on something changed a little bit. And you see this all the time. The artist will say, hey, can you turn up the guitar a little bit or turn yeah. down the vocals or something? That's exactly do what it all I was time. thinking. Like as someone who's done gigs myself, it's so easy just to be like, oh, hey, vocal up. Like it's, it's not nothing a big crazy. deal at all.
1: It's nothing. Yes. And,
3: <laughs> so, and then the guy started talking back to her over the loudspeakers during the show and arguing with her. And she said something back. And then after the show, he really got in her face and got physical with her. And she is the one who got kicked out Mm -hmm. of the club. And that whole story just infuriated me because I really think that would not have happened to a guy. Sometimes when people were telling me stories, I thought, you know what you're telling me, I could see this happening to a guy who's just starting off in his career. But in that case, it just seems so obvious that it was just some dude who thought she she was a petite young woman and he could just push her around. Mm-hmm. So that kind of story yeah. was not in common. That one made me really mad in particular, which is why I chose that to illustrate. But a lot of people had similar stories to that.
1: No, another story that really threw me a loop was when they were talking about how certain radio stations had policies where they wouldn't play. They'd be like, oh, we can't play too many women in one hour or we won't play women before 10 a.m. or something like bizarre Mm -hmm. like that, that it was just like, I think same where it's, okay, there's maybe some stories that, you know what, maybe this is just anyone who's making it in the career, they're going to face these obstacles. Like the music business is hard for everybody. But to read that story, and I was like, Oh, that one really is just about women. Mm-hmm. There's no denying the fact that that's because they
3: mm-hmm. were a girl, ba- a girl. That's band another one where I mean? it came up a few times, and I only chose a couple to put mm-hmm. in. But yeah, that one really mystified me too. I mean, there's one song after the other on the radio of guy singers Mm -hmm, and no one complains why is it a problem to hear female singers it's really strange and it really wasn't that long ago that we had women's music sections in record stores and that's bizarre too and i used to work in a store where they had that it was really it was way in the far back corner (laughs) it was really strange and so yeah. That I do think might have gotten a little better. But really, if you listen to radio, I think pop music and hip hop are really far ahead of rock mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. this. But if you listen to rock oriented radio, it's still that case. And I don't and know I, if it's I because know even they with are country d- music as well. Yeah. I was that gonna
2: say I know that the we don't play women like a certain amount. That's a huge thing in country still mm-hmm. to this day, that they won't let them play more than like Yeah a few <laughs> which is I do so feel like
3: I cover quite a few country artists I do feel like even that though is better than rock I really feel that rock yeah. is really behind mm-hmm. all the other genres in terms of that
2: yeah. why do you think that is what do you think it is about rock
3: it's hard to say because is it happening because there just aren't as many female rock artists because they get started in that path and then they just say this kind of sucks. sucks like yeah this is too hard I'll pick a different style where it's more welcoming. I could definitely see someone saying that I like rock and I like pop. I could do either yeah. one. So like, why not go I to just the place the that's one more where welcoming? I'm... True. Yeah. yeah. It's really hard to say. And then you could say well, it's a snowball effect. Like L7, Danita Sparks, in her chapter was saying, "I really think we would have been far more successful if it weren't for that because we watched our male peers at the time." Coming up at the same time, Nirvana, Soundgarden, even Mm -hmm. some of their label mates, because they were on sub pop with bands. And is it because they don't want to play those bands now on the kind of more nostalgia radio stations because they weren't as popular back in the day? You could see Mm. how this kind of thing would accumulate this problem. So it's a really tricky thing. But there's just so many
1: threads that are just tying into this for sure. You can't really pinpoint it on one thing. And I definitely
3: think another thing that it's really hard to argue that it would be just anyone having this problem is the focus on appearance. And I think that's something for women across all styles of music. Yeah, definitely. No, I really
1: appreciated that theme too throughout the book. I felt like that was a overarching thing that kept coming up with a lot of these women where it's either mm-hmm. they felt frustrated because they didn't want to have to worry about how they looked or they were frustrated. It had to be more of a focal point than they felt comfortable because they were craftsmen. They were musicians. like mm-hmm. They were so proud of what they were creating and yet I don't, maybe it was more of a focus because there were women that was all about, yeah, how they looked, how they were presenting themselves. And yeah, yeah I thought that was a, that was an interesting theme that came up, I think, just t- time and time again with. That said, there people. were a
3: couple of women who really liked that aspect of it. Yes. Mm-hmm. The, you know, Bonnie Bloomgarden of Death Valley Girls talks about how she likes, she puts a lot of thought and care into what she wears on stage mm-hmm. and she likes that aspect yeah. So I could see how it would go either way. But totally for the ones who don't want to have that be such a an issue, I could see how that would be really frustrating. Then there were things that have gotten better. So I guess yeah, yeah you can see how it's a trade off in a way. Yeah. Totally.
1: Another thing that I really liked too was how many times they would call back to each other. Like where mm-hmm. people would be like, oh yeah, Bikini Kill was a huge inspiration for me. And other people would reference like Susie Quattro, like when she was the one who started it off. So I think that was like the perfect way to said it when so many people would call back to her as you said, like, the original rock star. Yeah, Um, there was a
3: chain. There was, like, Laura said that Toby Vail inspired her, and Toby Vail said that Gina Shock inspired her. Mm -hmm. That's exactly
1: what I noticed, is they were all connecting, and I thought that was really cool how, even in the ways that maybe they didn't even know, they were lifting each other yeah up, and you know, I really amazing. I wonder like when
3: these people read this book they, I hope that they notice that too because yeah I had another interviewer the other day ask me if I did that on purpose and I said no that's just what came out I didn't try yeah. to make that happen I didn't prompt anybody
1: but that's I was also wondering that I was like did
3: you do people that you knew no. had inspired each other <laughs> and I think that makes it even more amazing I had, it had no idea that way some people said mm-hmm. stuff that really like some people said stuff that really surprised me when it came out of their mouths Good and bad. Sometimes I was really delighted, and and sometimes they told me stories like that one I just said
1: about the sound guy
3: that surprised me in a bad way. Yeah, totally. I learned a lot through this process.
1: Another thing that I thought was really cool to read about, too, was just that. Everyone did have very just different opinions on feminism, mm-hmm. and even like labeling themselves a feminist or not, and were very firm in those opinions. And I guess mm-hmm. I I wasn't necessarily like surprised, but I was, <laughs> maybe I was, I was just like, how can you go? I mean, they're the ones who lived through the experience, but I guess I was surprised still by how many women were very much not wanting to put that label on themselves mm-hmm. versus the ones that were like, yes, I'm fully embracing. That. Yes, I was and shocked.
3: Things. I was shocked. I think. A lot of people think that you get a book deal because you've written the book. Mm
0: -hmm. But in
3: nonfiction, you do a proposal and then you write the book. And so what I had done with this proposal is I wrote a book saying, a proposal saying I want to do a book where a woman talk about feminism and how important it is to them. So it was startling to me that there were people who signed on to a book where the title I knew from the start was going to be, she's a badass, women in rock shaping feminism. I figured anybody who signed on to do this book would be a feminist. (laughs) But that was not the case. And they had really interesting reasons why. And it's not because they don't believe in female equality. It's not because Mm. they don't, they had really specific problems with certain feminist movements. Mm. They don't like the connotation that feminism has now taken on that word. Like they believe in the ideals of it, but not what that word has come to mean. Like the definition to them has Mm -hmm. come to mean something else than what it originally was. And so it was really interesting to have some people in their chapters say, I'm a dyed-in-the-wool feminist. I've always been, and I can't believe anybody else thinks any differently than that. Um, How could you? And then in the very (laughs) next chapter, there's someone saying, do not call me that word under any circumstance. I have a real problem with it, and here's why. So I really wonder, again, when they all pick up this book and read it, because nobody saw anybody else's chapter. Some people asked me if they could see it, and I said no. Mm -hmm. I didn't want anybody's opinions influencing anybody else's. I think there were some people who were really worried that they would be outliers, and they didn't want to be the one that was weird. I, uh, I talked to one of them yesterday, and she said, because now I am, I am sending advanced copies to people if they want it. And she said, oh, "I was so worried after I talked to you that I would be such an outlier, that my opinions were so radical." And then I read the book, and I'm not even close <laughs> <laughs> to the most extreme, to the most radical yeah. at all. And so you could tell she was relieved. But I wonder if they're going to be surprised by what some of the others said
1: yeah but i think that was important like i i love that you were so conscious with that because yeah i think you really then created the space for these women who have gone through these experiences Mm -hmm. like they are the authority of what it was like to be a woman in rock at those times yeah and it was a very genuine representation of that and i I really appreciated that
3: it was a panic moment the first time it happened though when someone said (laughs) that because i thought how is this gonna work yeah <laughs> the book is about feminism. And then I realized they are still they might not like me saying this, but they are still feminist in their way. Maybe that word wouldn't apply to them, but the spirit of it does. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. I think it's so, it's uh, funny with that word that it's like some people have such like heavy feelings when it comes to it. When I think there's a quote that says that like more people are feminist than they think. Because if you just believe that women and men should be equal, then technically you're a feminist. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like it's a lot more simple of a definition, but it comes with such like a storied past and like heavy things attached to it that a lot of people have very strong opinions about being attached to it, regardless of the fact that they live the principles of it.
3: I was really glad that it came out to be that diverse because I think it makes the book much stronger. There's no way to represent every single opinion Under the Sun, but I really feel like it's a diverse enough range that any woman reading this will find one of these 20 women gets pretty close to what she thinks. Yeah. And But I did have to rewrite the introduction that I had put together for the proposal because the publishing company wanted to see an introduction for me before they would give me a book deal where I Mm. explained why I should be the one to write this book. And I had to rewrite it. Uh, yeah, I bet. <laughs> after that. I'm glad that they went with me on this because they really could have come back and said, well, that's not really the book that we have hired you to write. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that they were willing to shift with me on this. Totally. Instead of insisting on the original idea.
1: I mean, Definitely. I guess though, if yeah, in a way, if you would have insisted too much, then that does take away those women's stories and their feelings even more. And It's better to show them... For exactly what how they think mm-hmm. and not filter out to just be like oh that's not a part of the message of the book so we're not gonna put what they said here right. so yeah like I said I think it makes it a stronger book it holds truer to its message even if yeah like I so said there were a couple of chapters that I was like oh okay like I didn't think <laughs> that would be your opinion but at the same time they're the ones who lived through it so who am mm-hmm. I to like super criticize I don't know some of the ways they've reacted to it or the ways that they dealt with like feeling the way they felt and everything like that yeah. yeah
3: and i will say that a couple of the people who were the most i guess strident would be the right word about that are also amongst my strongest cheerleaders yeah. now in terms of their posting about the book on their social media they have sent me emails just saying this is a great book and i think it's going to do well and it's such an important message they're the mm-hmm. ones who in their way have been super supportive
1: so then at the end of the day it's like labels whatever it's how you live it and
3: that's right. the yeah. most important thing mm-hmm. yeah because all 20 of these women in their way are by living example helping the cause
1: another fun thing that i did so i'm a musician i'm a songwriter admittedly i'm not a huge i wasn't a huge rock fan whatever i mean i'm a rock fan there's classic <laughs> rock everyone loves classic <laughs> rock. but there were a lot of names in here that i just didn't immediately know mm-hmm. and so as i was reading through, I was like, I have to listen to their music. Mm-hmm. Very different. I, They're all yeah, very different. But also it was so fun because like, I was just like liking so many songs, adding them to my Spotify library that I was like, this wasn't j- usually in my library. But Mm -hmm. now, what is it? It's Paula Cole's Where Are the Cowboys? Yeah. That might be one of my new favorite songs ever. Mm -hmm. I've listened to that on repeat. And so it was a really fun way for me to listen to it. To read this book was by also listening. Because for one thing, yeah, all of the music was so different. It's not like, oh, there's a woman in rock sound. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They all have very distinct styles. But then also I was able to be introduced to... All kinds of music, right. which was...
3: Really- I tried to run the gamut from very, I guess, mainstream, for lack of a better term, animals yeah. and the go Go, The classics, was- yeah. Yeah. was pretty popular mainstream commercial-wise. And then really edgy people like Lydia Lunch and mm-hmm. Death Valley Girls. And just really tried to do a pretty broad spectrum. Yeah, I love
2: the group that you got. I think it's, like, such a good picture of, like, how diverse it is and, like, names that you know and names that you don't. And, like, I personally, I love, obviously, with the podcast, we love finding people that we've never heard of before that have such a major influence So it's cool to see that come out so much in your book.
3: Oh, that's good to hear because I was thinking, what if someone knows two or three of these artists, but they don't know the rest? Are they still going to want to read it? I hope so. I hope reading those chapters will then prompt them to get curious about the others. And maybe like you, they will discover some people that they didn't know about before. That would be ideal. Exactly. And I think it just proves you talked about how before it's like
1: in record shops, there'd be a woman in music section, but it's like... There's not like a distinctive way that only women make art or only women make music. And so it was really fun then hearing, okay, like these are all women in rock, but Mm -hmm. there's nothing else that's specifically women. Like it's not, Mm -hmm. oh, obviously a woman wrote this song because they all sound so different. Like the styles are so varied too. And I think that was also, I don't know. It's just cool. It's like a good reminder. <laughs> yeah.
3: Like in this book, I can't get much more different from each other than Lydia Lunch and Indigo Girls. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Amy Ray of Indigo Girls and Lydia were so well-spoken, even though they were mm-hmm. such different people. And I didn't agree with everybody in this book either. That's a really important point to make. No one's going to agree with everyone in this book because there are opposing opinions expressed in this book. A couple of my friends read this book as I was finishing it just because I wanted... Somebody to help me find any stray typos and tell me if there are any glaring errors before I turned it in. And a couple of people came back and said, "Woo, I really had a problem with what she said." And it was interesting because a couple of people that did that had different women that they chose to say that about. So no one's going to agree with everyone in here, but I think even the people I didn't personally agree with, when I asked follow-up questions about why they felt the way they did. I could see how, with their life experience, why they would think that way.
1: I could definitely see that as well, where it's like, again, like maybe I don't agree, but with all the backstory that I was given in the chapters and what they've been up against. It's okay. Yeah. Maybe that's, maybe what I would think if you've, if I've been in their shoes, I, yeah,
3: there, the one similarity the one through line though, I will say there was one really big one. I don't know if you picked up on it, but every single one of them made a point to talk about men who had helped them too. Yeah. So all of them were very careful to make sure that I knew and that the readers will know that they aren't man haters Mm-hmm. but this isn't a male bashing book. It is very specifically, we don't like men who treat us badly, like these examples illustrate, but men in general, we like and have been very helpful to us. And here's how.
2: Yeah. And so mm-hmm. yeah.
3: there was nobody that I had to prompt to do that. They all, on their own, made sure that I knew that they felt that way. Yeah. I think something, another thing
1: too, that it seems a lot of these women had was just like, yeah, a very strong gratitude. Like they were very comfortable giving credit to where credit was due with who helped them along the way, whether that was different men or women in their lives and calling back to their influences. I thought that was like such a, another like beautiful message in the sense that it's like, A lot of these women maybe felt like weirdos at the beginning part of their life and felt like an other, but then they were able to find some type of community that was able to help them and they felt very grateful for that. And I thought that was like a really cool message that came through a lot in these chapters as well.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that too. Yeah. I mean, all these women, I didn't ask anybody I've interviewed who I haven't liked If somebody really was rude to me, or it doesn't happen often, but as as interviewers, occasionally you get somebody where you just are like oil and water, you're not going to get along with everybody. And if you do hundreds of interviews, there's going to be the occasional one that doesn't go well because of a personality clash. And if there was anybody like that, I just simply didn't ask them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that is so valid. It's <laughs> Because <your book. laughs> these interviews were pretty
3: in depth and I just mm-hmm. thought, who needs it? If I struggled with this person for a short article, why would I do this to myself? How long did you spend talking with these women? It varied. An hour to two hours. It's not like hugely long, but I think the one I talked to the longest was Amanda Palmer because we did one session for an hour. And then she said, she wrote back later and she said, I just thought of all this other stuff. Can we get on another call? Because I would really like to talk about all this other stuff too. And and so we did another hour. And Bonnie Bloom Garden of Death Valley Girls also had to follow. Some people had follow-ups where they thought about it some more and then they came back and said, I thought of some more stuff. Can we do this again? And then some people had clearly thought it through extensively before they got on the call with me and we knocked it out in an hour and that was it. So it really depended. Mm -hmm. Some people I really had to draw, it was like any other interviews, some people I really had to draw out because not everybody I had interviewed before. So some people I was just meeting for the first time and you have to establish a report. and, And then some people, as soon as we got on the call, they were ready to go. They had stories they wanted to tell. Yeah. they so, like, I've lived a life. Let me tell you about it. <laughs> <laughs> it seemed that way. A lot
1: of them I'm like, wow, so much life lived. All the unconventional paths that led them to where they're at. It's yeah, it was incredible to see all that. Yeah.
3: And there were people who I have interviewed before, but because I hadn't interviewed them specifically about feminism and I hadn't gone so mm. in depth about their life because in a typical article, you just don't dig as deep. Yeah, as yeah. I do in a four thousand word chapter, there's some things that I learned about some of the people I've met before that I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, this. so That's that was so really cool. interesting too.
1: One more other thing that obviously a big part of our podcast is talking about women in arts and mm-hmm. everything and where they've come from, and it's always so discouraging when you read about women from history and they assume that the man that was the closest to them is the one who is actually the person that maybe inspired the art or was the true mastermind behind the art. And I thought that was, unfortunately, was just something that happened again, where a couple of them would be like, oh, the husbands wrote all the songs mm-hmm. for X. And her being like, no, that was, I was a huge part of that too. And it's just... It just sucks, I guess. That was something that a lot of these women also were faced with was Mm -hmm. people assuming that they were not the drivers in their own art.
3: Yeah, that's another one where I think it's pretty clearly gender-based. And there Mm -hmm. were some occasions when people would say something to me that had happened to them and I would say, wait a minute, that's bad. What you're telling me is bad. But how do you know? It's specifically because you're a woman. How do you know that it isn't just that this promoter is a schmuck in general and would do this to anybody? And then they would come back and explain more. And then it would become clear to me as we dug deeper about that story, why they felt that way.
1: Yeah. And that's what we talked about earlier. It's like there's some things where it's that could just be because he was going to be rude to anybody who came in mm-hmm. their, his path. But then there's other things where it's
3: like that one's kind of hard yeah. like, with the
1: radio stations and with being like, oh, it must have been the husband. It must have been the boyfriend. Yeah. Like, I'm thinking if-
3: specifically of the promoter story where he got like physically intimidating. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. just not sure that would happen to a guy musician. A guy. Yeah. Probably just cuz there's <laughs> almost like there's a slight power in yeah, yeah. Down because down. like it or not we are we do tend to be smaller we could be in physical danger if mm-hmm. we really come up against someone who's not a good yeah person so there are yeah. some things that touring female musicians do have to think about that men never do
1: yeah and that yeah another thing of how many of them have yeah have, have to are very what is it like aware of, okay, we're going to have a male touring manager because we need someone or it's, yeah, it's, it was something that I was like, oh, I've never
3: even thought of that. But yeah, just safety
1: is really yeah. a
3: really. Something as simple as we're driving ourselves around and we have to go into a gas station at night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How safe is that, to use the restroom in a gas station along the side of the highway at 1am. I don't <sighs> think that guys think about that, but women sure have to. Yeah. And if they're torn all around the United States, yeah, they absolutely have to. And no matter how tough you think you are, you have to be practical. <laughs> mm,
1: yeah.
2: yeah. Oh, it's so sad too. Cause I think it shows like the greater issues in the world that are so gendered and yet how it impacts yeah. like people who are trying to do something like create art and tour and be successful in their craft. Like that something as simple as like going to a gas station in the middle of the night can be like a huge
3: problem. Yeah. And I don't think <laughs> yeah. that even, I don't think most men even think about this. It oh, doesn't definitely even occur not. to them. I remember I, I live in New York city. I remember one time walking down a side street. I was coming home from something. It wasn't late, late as like 11, not late, but it was a dark side street. And this guy was following too close to me. Mm-hmm. And I stepped aside to let him go ahead of me. And I did it in a kind of a very noticeable, he just go, yeah, I see yeah. what you're doing. go ahead. And as he walked by me, he was like a preppy looking guy. And as he walked by me, he was just, Jesus Christ, I'm not going to hurt you. And kept going. And I just thought, wow, man, you really have no idea what it's like to be a five foot two woman and have a six foot tall, strange Stranger following you that close and not know, the odds are you aren't gonna do anything, but I don't know you. I just thought you really, that illustrated to me just how men really don't understand sometimes what we have to think about every day.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's so funny. It's like the getting offended where it's, I don't know you. I don't know that you're (laughs) not the kind of person that could hurt me. All I know is I'm alone and there's a size difference. There's a practicality here that like I am weaker. It's a danger. It could be a dangerous position for me. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's a little off topic, but I read a story yesterday about a lady who was just trying to sell her dryer on a Facebook marketplace And she kept having to try and schedule people to come when her husband was gonna be there because, like, it's a dryer. You can't, like, leave it outside for someone. Like, they have to actually come in and grab it. And it ended up turning into this whole thing where people would deliberately try to come. When she told them not to and then they would show up and then once they got her in the basement, they'd start making like weird comments about her body and everything else and like showing up late at night and then her husband would answer the door and they'd be like, oh, sorry, wrong house. And it was just this whole thing where she was like, I can't even sell an appliance on a marketplace without having to go through all of these hoops of making sure I'm safe because I'm a woman that is inviting people into my house and I have no idea what their intentions are. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's just crazy how the simplest things can turn into a whole thing where you're fearing for your safety.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what to say about that. I'm not saying <laughs> <Yeah>, no. <laughs> I know.
2: That was the sad part, too, is that that's not shocking, but
1: it sucks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Going back to, we talked about. I'm just like going over my notes, and I was like, oh, wait, I wanted to bring this up too. About with Ann Wilson and Hart. Like, obviously, I know Hart, listen mm-hmm. to Hart, but like you talked about, it was like there's women that we've heard of, people that maybe you've talked to, but then specifically talking to them about feminism. And I'm aware of that band. I didn't know about the ways that they were sexualized. And that was maybe the most appalling thing to me to read in the entire book, was because she was in a band with her sister. And then there are people who would be so just blatantly just really gross about that. That was maybe the worst part for me to read because that wasn't something that I was like familiar with. I didn't know mm-hmm. that was a conversation that was happening. And I was just like, I couldn't believe that like on a copy of a magazine that something could be insinuated like that. And then the fact that they felt that there were repercussions for yeah. speaking out and saying, I don't want to be sexualized this way. And yeah that was just the most i think mind blowing story for me to read yeah um, was how I was familiar with, with that
3: story i I knew that story, but I hadn't had her tell me that story in previous yeah. interviews, and she that was about forty five years ago now that that happened and she still sounds angry about it, like yeah, she, she's still offended, yeah, I and mean that, she should be yeah, and there's no denying her talent that wasn't even necessary she and her sister are, are such amazing musicians that that shouldn't have even they should have been able to just stand on the talent alone the record company shouldn't have needed to resort to a cheap stunt like that yeah absolutely
1: I just remember like reading that and I just like I'm like I need a break this is the worst <laughs> thing I have read like I need to take a breath and then I had to look everything up and I was just, like I don't mm. know how I hadn't like I said I just wasn't You can find the photos she's talking
3: about online now. And when you look, you can see what she's saying. Like, she wasn't being sensitive. Like, there really was. Mm -mm.
1: And that's what, yeah, I was like, I have to see this for myself. And then I was just like, "Like, this is the worst. (laughs) That was maybe the most jarring thing for me to have to read. And again, it was just an example of something that was just so blatant. Like, they didn't need to do that. They were so talented. And they could stand on that merit. And mm. yet they. they and went, then even after mm-hmm.
3: that, after they've had many hits, and then MTV came along, and then suddenly it happened to them again, where they were held mm-hmm. to this unreasonable, you have to look like a model, even after they had proven that they were extraordinary musicians. So, yeah, her chapter was really important. I, and I will I say really that she that. was one of the first people to sign on to do this. And I really appreciate that very much, because I know that a lot of people agreed to do this book because she and Susie Quattro, there are a lot of people who signed on specifically because they were among the first five people to agree to do it. And they were the ones that other people said that inspired them to sign on too. And that tells me something because their careers are among the most celebrated. So that tells me something that they're at the position they're at now. Ann Wilson undeniably influential and Susie Quattro is still selling out Royal Albert Hall in Mm -hmm. London and phenomenally popular across Europe and Australia. And these women don't need to do anything
2: Mm -hmm. in this way
3: anymore. And they still did because they feel like they still owe it to other women to give them a helping hand with their stories in this book. But I think also to me as a female writer, I think that was part of it too, is that they saw that I was trying to do something and they were being kind to me. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I think that speaks to like their character and everything too, and just the career they've built. So that's incredible.
1: And the fact that other women are, yeah, we're looking to them as like, Mm -hmm. Oh, they're doing it. Like that's significant. Yeah. Shows a lot about their career for sure.
3: Yeah. One thing that I hope that younger women notice also about the the women who've had long careers is um, the importance of keeping up the activism in whatever way fit now, because Mm -hmm. a lot of the women, who started off in the 70s and on through the 80s had stories about a lot of activism that they did to promote women's equality overt activism of some kind or other. And they expressed worry that women now take that for granted, like they don't realize how hard that struggle really was. And you might have noticed that a few people in this book talk about Roe v. Wade
1: Mm-hmm. and yep.
3: regardless of your opinion about that or not whether you're a pro-life pro-choice it's an important topic to discuss so I was glad that women brought that up mm-hmm. and I think it was shocking to some of the women in the book that it had been reversed like how could that be and then yeah. there were other women in the book who said yeah I'm not surprised I knew that people were going to keep trying to reverse it until they did and the emphasis for those women was just saying look you can't win some rights and then be complacent. You have to keep maintaining the rights. If it's important to you, you have to work at that. Whatever those may be, whatever is important to you, you can't just say we have this and we're good now. That's not how it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Because I think Toby Vale said something like progress isn't linear.
2: I love that. That's such a good thing, especially... I don't know, like growing up, we had a lot of rights already. And and so it is shocking to see some of those be reversed. So it's a good thing to think about that, that it's like, it's not linear. Like things can be taken away. Like things have to be fought for and stood up for still. I love that. But
1: then also that just because it's not linear and there's back steps, that doesn't mean that oh, throw in the towel and give up. Yeah. <laughs> right. I think yeah. that's like, Exactly. Yeah, that there's still so much. And it's like it's been an up and down thing this whole time. So it's like it's still worthy to keep yeah. on yeah. fighting for what you think is right. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Really just touched on that. But that was one of the questions I was hoping to end with is, yeah, what do you think is a main takeaway for people who – have the yeah have the opportunity to read this book.
3: Well, I really think that people need to figure out what's really important to them and really actually do something about it, mm-hmm. whatever that may be. And post- posting memes on social media really doesn't do anything. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to write this book because I thought, oh, this is a chance for me to actually do something. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think that that's something that everybody needs to decide for themselves. And even if someone decides that what's important to them is something that's in direct opposition to what I think. I still believe they should have the right to campaign for that or work toward it in whatever way they see fit, as long as it's not violent. But I think that's where we run into problems is when women or anyone just thinks that things are at a good place and it's going to always be status quo, and that's just not the case because there's somebody who thinks the opposite of you who's going to actively be working to undo whatever that thing is. And so you have to be vigilant.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's something that I loved so much about all these women is that they were all just doers and they were always doers, whether that was just working towards their own music careers, but like even still, even if they're maybe not on like in the peak of their career still, like they're still constantly creating. And I loved how many of them have podcasts and are just like doing everything they can because it's like, they really just feel like, they just believe so much in what they're doing and what they have to say and in elevating stories. And so it was really fun for me to be like, make note of the podcast that people have mm-hmm. started and to look them up and to just see the ways that it's, oh, they're cre- still creating on Patreon or just all the different ways that these women are still saying, no, my art is important to me and I'm going to keep creating it no matter what. And I just, for me, that was just such an inspiring thing to read was just that, yeah, there's like this like sense of, no, I have to do something and I will do it. And even if that's going to change, like what the actual thing is throughout my life, it's still going to be my art and it's still going to be music. And I'll just do it exactly however I can. I just thought that was really cool and inspiring. That was something that I was seeing from I think yeah all of those women.
3: Yeah, that all of them, each one in her own way is very strong. Mm-hmm. And I think very inspirational, like even the ones I disagreed with. As I was typing up the chapter, there were a couple of them where I'm like, I really disagree with this person. That wasn't my job to editorialize. My job was to present their opinions mm-hmm. accurately. And I admired all of them for speaking with such honesty with me. A lot of them made themselves very vulnerable. There were a couple of instances in this book where people said, I've never talked about this before. Mm -hmm. So I really am so honored that people felt comfortable enough to do that with me and felt that this project was a good place for them to do that and finally tell the world these stories. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I really
1: do feel like that came through. Like It really felt like you were providing all of these women such a safe place. And it felt very intimate. It felt vul- very vulnerable. And so I think that they got that sense that it's like, this is a safe place. Even if I don't agree, that's not my business. My job is to tell your story. And I think that, yeah, every story yeah. was very beautifully told. So
3: yeah. thanks and for I, giving
1: them the opportunity for that.
3: Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you for reading it. I hope that most people... I know it's impossible to please everyone. There's going to be some guy out there who hurls man-hater <laughs> accusations against me. I already saw it. There there are some posts about the book. Various outlets have posted about the book coming out. And of course, there's some yeah. dude in the comments who's making very disparaging comments about me yeah. or the people in the book. But in a way, that kind of only strengthens my resolve because I, I was think mm-hmm.
0: you're proving
3: why this book was needed. Mm-hmm. And also, you haven't read the book clearly because some of the things they're at accusing me and the women in this book of doing are not true. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I said earlier, where they're like, "Ah, oh, man haters." I'm like, "Nope." Read <laughs> These the women book. have the yeah. greatest
1: respect for the men in their lives. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm.
3: So it's interesting. It's also interesting that when I first announced that I was going to do this book, I had some women I had never met before reach out to me—authors who had written feminism books. And they said, I'll oh, get ready, because gonna. this is going to draw a certain <laughs> oh, no. segment oh, cool. of the population <laughs> out of the woodwork. And I'm really glad they told me that, because that mm. never even occurred to me. Yeah. And um, so I'm glad they gave me a heads up. But I think I truly believe that's a very small segment of the population. And they're just very vocal, because they feel yeah. very threatened by the way that women are becoming more and more equal. And I could see how that would be for a guy who used to be able to just coast along on being a guy, regardless of what he did. I could see how that would be really threatening to suddenly have people say, no, now you have to prove yourself just like everyone else. Like I can see why that would make someone very angry. I feel like something was being taken away from them. But I, I strongly believe that's a very small segment of this population. They're just very noisy about it. Yes.
1: Yeah. Some of our content has had the displeasure of hitting the wrong side of the YouTube comments. <laughs> yeah, I was say, they're in our comment section. So yeah, we can get yeah, to that. <laughs> I agree, though. I don't think it's a majority, but no. unfortunately, that little corner of the internet is very vocal. Well, and part yeah. of me thinks
3: it's good if they actually say that in such a public way. I think it's good for other people to see that's happening.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah it proves that the book still has a point. Is it's like if they're so offended by the notion of women in rock talking about their stories, it's you're telling on yourself and you're proving the need for it. And how do you not realize that? Yeah. (laughs) It's very it's funny in a way. In a way, yeah. (laughs) Unfortunately though, when the disparaging comments are launched your way, it's it never feels great where it's okay. Our comment sections are being blown up by people it's yeah if
3: it's any consolation like ann wilson posted about this book yesterday which i truly appreciate that was really great of her and i was looking at the comments this morning and there's 65 great ones and then there's one dude who says some rude thing on her thread Uh, ah i was like all right if there's someone who's saying that to ann wilson and trying to Get under her skin. I could take it. it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's like you talked about, that there's that a whole part. line
1: of women that came before us that had to do
3: it's just part of the effort. But I just ever. thought it was funny. I was like, Oh wow, even Ann Wilson isn't exempt still. Yeah. It's like she's proven herself <laughs> time and time
1: again. And even still. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so true. It comes out
3: officially next month right yeah january 16th it comes oh, out cool. yeah. Yeah. and then february internationally okay oh, awesome. awesome i assume you have international listeners too so yes um, we uh-huh. do mm-hmm. this uh,
1: must just be an exciting time for you because your first book is a month
3: away from coming
1: out how yeah, exciting after two years of
3: working on it i'm ready i didn't realize before this just how long the process was i turned in the actual book almost a year ago now <laughs> and yeah. then it was very lengthy process of working with the pub- publisher to edit it, which fortunately they didn't have any big changes, but it's still, I had to go through it's three separate copy yeah. editors. <laughs> like it was a lot of people looking at it, which is good. And then just all the things that go into finding people to do endorsements, which I got some really amazing endorsement. I was shocked. I was shocked that I got Annie DeFranco. Mm-hmm. I was shocked that I got Marion Faithful. And if the younger readers don't know who they are, you definitely need to look th- those ladies up. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, it's been a, a really interesting learning experience for me. I mean, What's next? Do you think you're going to write another book? <laughs> I am halfway through the next one. There you go. That's oh, exciting. That's yeah. incredible. It'll be very different. I'm helping Eugene Hoots, the frontman for the band Gogo Bordello, write his memoir. Oh, oh cool. amazing. And Gogo bordello is a great gypsy punk band. Eugene's story is amazing. He's originally from Ukraine. He mm-hmm. came to America in his 20s as a refugee with no money, not knowing English. And he built up into becoming an international rock star with like 600,000 followers on Facebook and a, a movie career where he starred in movies such as Everything is Illuminated. And he's got this amazing career and wow. he's one of the most upbeat optimistic people I've ever met, even though his story is one of the most harrowing stories I've ever heard, because he grew up in Soviet Ukraine and lived through Chernobyl, Chernobyl and just oh. was a refugee in many places across Europe before he finally was granted asylum here in America. And his story is just so inspiring and incredible. Mm-hmm. And so it's been a really interesting project for me and very different from this She's a badass book because mm-hmm. instead of twenty women, I'm talking to one dude. It's very different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's I'm been sure. very good. That's oh, so that'll come out in 2025 sometime. Where mm-hmm. we have a book deal with Matt Holt books, Bendella. Amazing! One. Oh, how exciting! Know. Yeah, Can't and of course wait. I'm continuing to write articles left and right. Mm-hmm. Like, you can follow me on my like social media I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Threads. Yeah, you can find me there pretty easily. Katherine Yeske-Taylor, music journalist. I put up articles a couple times a week on those. Thank you
1: again for reaching out to us, giving us the opportunity to read it. Yeah, I got to add it to my like story graph app. I don't know if you're a big reader, but I love documenting. And so I'm like, oh, I get to be the first read. I'm the first one who's read it on the app. <laughs> Super oh, cool. Proud. <laughs> Given my review. So anyways. That's cool. Spread And yeah, I the set good up word. my Goodreads
3: profile ah, the, good the other reads, day and I yes. was like, oh, I have a Goodreads profile. That was an exciting moment. Oh, so. that is <laughs> <Yeah>. exciting. <laughs>
1: first time, but author. I love that. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, just thank you again. And also just for bringing a lot of those women Women that I haven't heard about. Thanks for bringing their music into my life. That's so cool. Honestly. I'm going to tell
3: Paula that you said that and make sure she knows Oh my gosh. It. Okay, that story was
1: so funny to me just because with the that song, I know that was like a popular song in the day. I just hadn't heard it. And when she was talking about the fact that, oh, people were taking it seriously, but it was obviously satirical. I was like, I have to listen to this song right now. <laughs> and now, like I was baking cookies last night for a Christmas party I'm going to. And I was just like, that song was just, on repeat while I was making the cookies which I guess is as I'm doing a domestic task whatever but
3: I just I adore that song so much now so yeah new favorite I'm old enough to remember when that song was popular when it came out and I just remember it being inescapable and it's funny to me because I remember yeah. like just thinking oh my god this song is everywhere okay
1: that's so funny I actually like work at a music school and I was playing that song and someone came in for her lesson and she was like I haven't heard this song in a while and I was yeah, I just found it, and then she was like, "This song used to be everywhere," and that was like <laughs> the same thing that I heard. And I was like, "I didn't know! Like, I had never heard it before. So it. Apparently, I missed the memo on this song because everyone's mm. heard it, but I had not. And I love it so. It's so great! Great. <laughs> yeah.
3: That's stuff like that that makes my day because things like that are why mm-hmm. I, I read, wrote this book. And I really did hope that it wouldn't just be people in their like 40s and 50s and up." I really hoped that it would be women of all ages. So
1: Yeah. So thank you again. And like I said, now I know I missed out on a huge part of pop culture there. But- so <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. you found it oh, now. I yeah. found it now. That's all that matters. Hope you enjoyed that interview. I know that I did. And um, really, it's what inspired this whole month of episodes. Mm-hmm. And last week, we talked about Stevie Nicks. And then everything we have moving forward for the rest of the month is Women in Rock. When we realized we were doing two episodes anyways, we figured we would just make Might it. Might as well. Might Plus, as well do rock. I know rock. both
2: of us really loved the Riot Girl episode and learning about mm-hmm. that whole movement and how feminism was so intrinsically involved in rock. Mm-hmm. So it's just like a fun thing to cover. So definitely come back for the other two for the end of this month. Check out Catherine's book and our previous episode about Stevie Nicks if you haven't. Mm-hmm. And we'll have – More wonderful things coming up for the rest of the year. Really excited about it. So, see you next time.
1: Yeah,
0: bye. Hello, it is
1: Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's
0: chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, are you a super fan of Taylor Swift, Jelly Roll, or Morgan Wallen? Are you that song nerd who likes to dive into every little lyric of every little song and figure out what everything means? Do you want to take that a bit further, though? Because I have a podcast called Songwriter Soup, and it dives into the journey of a songwriter and how those people help craft the soundtrack of your life. I'm Laura Veltz. And I'm bringing all of my friends together to discuss our funny little job, writing for all of your favorite artists. Listen to Songwriter Soup wherever you get your podcasts.